American songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Mike of Mike's Dead over Zoom video. Mike was born and raised uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., and he talks about how he got into music. His career kind of kicked off when he was in high school. He put together a mixtape, like a warm-up mixtape. He was an athlete, and people loved the mixtape. So other teams within the school were using the mixtape he, he curated to, to use as their warm-up mixtape, which eventually led to him DJing clubs. And when he was in college, he was DJing these massive rooms up to like 3,000 people. He was opening up for huge artists like Rehab. And he really developed a brand and a fan base for what he was doing. So he decided to move to Los Angeles and go to school for audio engineering. He talks to us about how dedicated he is and, and has been to his craft and doing everything from living on a ramen diet to living in living rooms, just doing anything he could to continue writing music and producing music. He talks to us about forming Mike's Dead, putting out his first records, doing his first tour, the success of the song We've Lost Touch, to the brand new EP he has coming out called Revenge. You can watch our interview with Mike on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Mike's Dead. So our podcast is all about you, man, and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. And we'll talk about uh, the new EP as well. Hell yeah, let's do it. Let's jump into it. Cool. cool. Uh, I did read um, from Washington, D.C. Were you born and raised there? Yeah, I was born like 20, 30 minutes south, like Northern Virginia. Uh, actually, I was born in Fairfax, Virginia, but I grew up like 20, 30 minutes south. Um, and then I moved, I actually went to University of Maryland for a few years, and then I transferred schools out to California. And I think I've been in L.A. for six years now, oh. five or six Right on. Borderline around there. I don't know. Nice. Um, yeah, I love the East Coast. I've always been like a big East Coast guy. That New York attitude, that New York fuck you attitude kind of thing. Am I allowed to cut from here? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. dude, you can say whatever you want. This is okay. all about you. <laughs> Nobody cares uh, what I have to say. <laughs> I was panicking for a second. Um, no, no, dude. Yeah, no, I love the East Coast. It's just cold as hell. I'm At this point, I'm sure. super adapted to being in L.A. And I am a wuss when it comes to being cold now. Oh, really? It's funny because um, I was going to say, if it's like 68 degrees, people in San Diego were like in five jackets. <laughs> you know, I like hoodie weather. That's my thing. I I, I kind of would rather be in a climate where I can wear like hoodies and sweaters and shit like that all the time huh. versus like a tank top because it's I mean, it was 105 yesterday. It's hot as hell right now. Yeah, it's, oh my I mean, it's God. starting to hit the summer. So it's starting to get hot. Sure. Yeah. I was getting like these alerts on my phone because, like I said, I just moved here like in March. So I'm still getting like San Diego and Southern California alerts. And it was like extreme heat. I'm like, what are we in? And it said it was supposed to be in the hundreds. I was like, whoa, it's crazy. Yeah. Hitting that time of the year. But no, I like LA. I've been here for a while. So I'm, I'm adapted. Right on. Um, what was it like growing up in uh, the Virginia area? I mean, you're pretty close um, to Baltimore and, and I mean, DC and all that, right? Yeah, more of like suburb area. And then I worked in DC when I was like 15. So like I commuted and took like the, the subway. And oh, I wow. Like go in and out. Yeah, I worked for my aunt's. I was like a management intern and I worked for my aunt's consulting company. And 
I, while also doing a bunch of other jobs. I used to work like crazy when I was younger and still now. I was going to say, still do, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fucking workhorse. Um, but yeah, no, like I grew up around the DC area, kind of just exploring, like understanding more. I like the city vibe. Um, originally, I had never really been to LA before I moved here. And I thought I was like, oh, LA is like a, a big city. And I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be sick. And then I move here because I've really, I like, I was around DC and then around New York, which obviously like everything's stacked on each other. Sure. I moved here and I was like, bro, this is just one big ass suburb. <laughs> it totally <laughs> is. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? I wanted like the downtown like environment where really only downtown LA is the only spot like that. Right. Um, and you have to drive there from anywhere in oh, anywhere. LA County. <laughs> downtown LA is just like a fucking mess all the time. So I, I live up in the Valley. Okay. <laughs> Way easier for traffic purposes. And plus it's less expensive. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, no, I grew up in city environments. So I think moving here was a weird transition because it's like, uh -huh. yeah, you know, suburb environment. Yeah. Were you used to driving at all? Like uh, living? Yeah, in for okay. sure. I'm, I was used to like driving around. Um, and I feel like in LA, you kind of need a car. because Oh, you have to, right? There's no way to get around. Yeah. I mean, it would take you years to take a bus somewhere. Yeah, I know. I have a bunch of friends that don't have cars out here and just Uber everywhere. And I'm like, uh, I don't understand that. You're just wasting so much money. Yeah, but at least they have a car port. of. It's not like they're getting on a bus or, a, yeah. you know, a train or something. There really yeah. isn't much public transit there. Yeah, it's not like that. the fucking the 90s or the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Taking fucking bus everywhere. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I like I still love the East Coast. Like I enjoy going back. The last time, obviously, touring has been fucked yeah. um, from COVID. And the last time I was able to tour, it was all on the East Coast. So okay. on like up and down the coast kind of run. And I like going home and not necessarily going home, but just see, being back on the East Coast, even when it's just for touring and stuff like that, because it's a different mindset and different mentality. Sure. Person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did how did you get into music? Um, oh, fuck. Jeez. I've been in, I mean, I've been in the music since I was a little kid. I've, okay. I've been, I, I was in some fucking bullshit screamo band in like eighth grade. I like, I mean, there I've been go. in music for a long time. <laughs> um, and then it actually was strange. I played sports in high school mm -hmm. and the way it was, was more so I think like when, whenever you're like a senior, um, they would have the ability, like it was your job to make the warm up tape. Um, oh, rad. And at the time I was using like fucking audacity, like the little, <laughs> the literal vocal or like the literal, like recording shitty school program. Right. And I made like this big warm up tape for our team. And I, it ended up getting picked up by like other teams in like other sports in the school. Cause they were like, this is a fucking sick ass warm up tape. My buddies were like, yo, you should DJ. And this is before DJing was really a thing. Like before EDM was, was kind of on the rise. And at the right. time I was like, I grew up on new metal and fucking alternative and uh -huh. rock and shit like that. But I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. And I started like, I like submitted my shit for a contest that did really well. And then I started like kind of DJing and getting gigs here and there when I was like 18. And that progressed into like playing at like major venues to like playing like two, 3000 cat venues. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I was DJing with a buddy while I was in college basically. Um, and then that progressed into being like trying to learn how to produce and so on and so forth. And obviously this is when I'm 18, I'm 20, I just turned 26. So okay. I've been doing this for a hot fucking minute and sure. <laughs> it wasn't really like a career path. It was more of like, yo, I fuck with this. I would love to do this full time, but obviously I'm in college, I'm in school. 
Uh Um, and then moved out here, basically went to an audio engineering school out here, like a trade school for a year. So I have a degree in music production and audio engineering. Um, and then from that was more so focusing still on like the EDM side of stuff. And that's where I get a lot of like the electronic elements that come in from my music because I, I come from that background and I have a heavy mental understanding of that background i guess mm-hmm. and then growing up with like more on the rock metals like the, like the metal side of things it's like okay cool that's where you see that interesting combination um and it obviously progressed through other shit i started producing for other people like rappers making beats and then eventually a buddy of mine that i lived with at the time was like bro like you have a sick fucking vocal tone like for a white dude your voice is very low and like <laughs> you like i would walk around the house bullshit freestyling like dicking around like just okay completely. And he was like, bro, like you should write some shit. And I was like, dude, no, that's corny. I'm white. Like, I'm not going to fucking try to rap. <laughs> and he was like, dude, I'm, he's like, just fucking, he's like, you go make a beat that you think you would like and just write some shit. And I didn't, he was like, you've never written before. I was like, no, nah. he was like, that was fucking crazy. Like you should start oh. doing this. And I started like just doing it for fun. And then I came up with like the first project, which never came out, came up with a bunch of songs, came up like, you know, just progressed and kept working on shit for like another year and a half. I think at that point I was just working fucking like restaurant jobs mm-hmm. and eventually kind of stumbled upon like what I thought was like my brand and like my sound and kind of stuff like that. And obviously that's still changing now. Um, but yeah, that's the long fucking story to the short answer. It's just, a, it's, it was like a big process over time. Um, sure. And it really led me towards more of the rock rap stuff and uh-huh. obviously more of the rap stuff at first because it was like easier to make. Um, I've only been playing guitar now for like a year and a half. So oh, okay. it's, it's more so of like the rock stuff is more of what I wanted to make, but also like I, I, because I produce all my own music, it's more so like I'm limited by my own self. Mm-hmm. So I'm better with electronic elements. I'm better like drums and bass are, are really my strong suit. Um, and same with like melodic structure, but if I don't really, you know, quarantine was really what gave me the ability to learn guitar and my guitarist now and my band is fucking disgusting. He's like a 15 year metal head shredder. <laughs> so obviously like learning from him and like having some time to actually like rehearse, like just practice and shit is really what kind of taught me stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the long answer. Sorry. No, dude, I love it. Uh, that's awesome. I, w- I want to rewind a little bit here just to yeah, uh, the, like after you made that mixtape and you, and you're DJing clubs, was it, you were just spinning other people's records and yeah. just mixing? It was more and- so, yeah. Like back at the time it was more like house and like bass house okay. kind of stuff. Um, and that was more, yeah, it was just other people's music is that at the time, myself and my buddy who I was teaching with had no fucking idea how to produce. I mean, like I remember I downloaded FL studio when I was like 18 uh-huh. and was making the most God fucking awful repulsive beats that you've ever heard. We got to start like, somewhere. <laughs> dude, I still have them in my iTunes. Whenever oh, I, really? get, oh, whenever I start to get a little too cocky for myself, I'm like, listen, I got to go listen to these. I got to go get like, I flush up and turn completely red because I'm like, these are that bad. Like I love that. I love awful. that you do that though. I mean, uh, I came from, I come from radio. I did that for 16 years. And like, I can't even listen to like those earlier, like air checks of myself talking. I'm like, Oh man, like who would hire me? That's <laughs> it's, it's all about growth, which is good. Cause it makes you humble. But when you listen to old shit, you're like, Oh wow, that was bad. <laughs> <Pretty cringy. laughs> I, have, I have songs out now that I still like, you know, they've been out for like two years. And I'm like, mm, I wish I could take that down. I could, but I don't want, like I shouldn't. Oh uh, yeah. Perfectionist well, syndrome, if that makes sense. 
No, totally. Well, when you were DJing the clubs, was it just like college parties and like, how are you? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It was because I lived, when I went to university of Maryland, that's 10 minutes outside of DC. Oh, so okay. luckily that's, it was great. I mean, like, yeah, I had played a couple parties. Um, but I remember like even pre, I think it was like my freshman year, I got flown down to Miami music week to play a bunch of after parties for, for ultra. Whoa. Like, I'm 18. Big ass X's on my hands, like playing like <laughs> rooftop fucking like venues. <laughs> like it was weird. Like I, I've had a weird like environment, obviously. Um, but no, we were playing like a lot of the clubs and like a lot of the club scenes and venues in DC. So sometimes it was like opening kind of stuff at clubs. And then sometimes it was more like the venue kind of things where like, I don't know if you're really familiar with like Echo Stage in DC or Ultra Bar stuff like no. that. Echo Stage is like a 3000 cap venue. It's like one of the wow. top rated venues in the country. Okay. Um, and then next thing we know, we're getting opening spots there. You know, next wow. thing I know, I'm basically, I, I like thought one night, it was like, I was actually the night before I moved to LA, we did a show that I don't know if you're familiar with EDM music or that kind of stuff, but like, yeah, uh, I am uh, actually, you know, the artist rehab. He's yes. Like very, I do. Yeah, he's fucking uh -huh. massive. Mm -hmm. So it was him and uh, someone else. And I thought that the co-headliner was obviously going to go before him. They ended up putting the co-headliner on after him. So we had like the 10 30 to 12 PM slot for a wow. 3000 cap venue. And then my it's buddy like prime was, time. Oh yeah. And his, his flight got fucked up. So usually I'm used to DJing with him uh -huh. and it's just me. 18 years old or like 19 years old at this point playing in front of like 2,500 people. And I'm like shitting my pants. But obviously the, the set went great. The fucking club owner came up and was like, bro, you're fucking killing it. Like came on stage. I was like, Oh, this is sick. Yeah. But yeah. I've had a lot of weird opportunities and it's obviously awesome. It's just, I've, I've dabbled in so many different little things, whether it be mm -hmm. producing beats for other rappers, whether it be back in like the EDM scene or now more so obviously in the rap rock scene, mm -hmm. it's like, I just like fucking music. So I'm all over the place a little sometimes, but sure. whatever. I've had a long journey with it. What was the, like, was there like a pivotal moment when you decided to, to leave um, university of Maryland and come out to LA and pursue yeah, it was, engineering? It wasn't missed. It wasn't like a moment, but even my parents pointed it out because they were like my buddy, Pat, that I was working with at the time um, DJing with, like he, he wasn't going to school and he was just like, yo, I found a school. Like, I want to go out and learn how to produce. Like, obviously, we've been talking about it. We had been trying to produce, but we were dog shit. And he was like, I want to go learn. And I was like, fuck, dude, like, I want to go learn too. And then I'm thinking in my head being like, all right. Like, so he actually ended up going six months prior. He went six months before me. Okay. Because I had to finish. My parents were like, yo, like, if this is what you want to do. My parents are very, like, realistic people. And they were like, you're going to cover this shit. Like, you're going to work. If you want to move to LA, it's, it's your decision but it's your risk. We're not backing you by this fucking, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> if you want to risk it, go for it. But also like, dude, we're, you're on your own. You know right. what I mean? Like, That's, this is what I want to do. Um, and I had to finish my sophomore year of college. Like that was the agreement. Like I have okay. to finish this out. And I fucking hated college. Like I, I mean, I was a smart kid. Like I graduated high school, like a four Oh and like a bunch wow. of, yeah, I, I don't come off that way, but <laughs> especially if you meet me in person, I'm a fuck. I'm, I'm also six, four and very large of a human. People are like, Oh, this, this kid's dumb as fuck. And then, the, oh. like, <laughs> but yeah, I was like kind of a, like a book nerd and not a book nerd, but like, I was a little bit of a nerd and got uh good grades at the time. And then I just hate, I fucking hated college. I couldn't do it. I was, I'm very right brained as, as, as much as I like to be left brain and like super, 
businessy logical kind of person i I have too much creative juices flowing in Mm -hmm. at all times and college was just it just killed all my creativity and i was just kind of miserable and so i think my parents kind of saw that coming there wasn't like a pivotal moment it was kind of just like yo the djing shit going cool yeah you know mike's had a passion for music since he was a little kid they kind of knew it was just let it yeah 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 Yeah, there's no stopping you at that point right at that point it's like if i'm playing like i remember i never let any of my my, i never let my parents come to any of my shows um back when i was in dc and i was doing all these uh events in dc and my mom would at least my mom would ask me like oh when are you gonna let me come to my show i was like ah fuck off kind of thing um and (laughs) having my mom at my concert yeah no because it's like i don't know it just made me like tweak about it and oh totally i get it eventually like i let her come to that show the one that we played with rehab and okay that's at an impeccable venue with 2500 people like my mom's shitting her pants going yo what the fuck has my son been up to kind of thing like because i remember she told i walked when i got off backstage i came around to go find them she was like freaking the fuck out she was like that was so cool i'm surrounded she said she was like in the crowd and people were like yo who is this kid he's fucking killing it my mom's like that's my son (laughs) yeah totally i'm stoked (laughs) Um, i think at that point it was more for them like it allowed it was more of like okay I see what he's been doing. And my mom was like, you've done this completely like on your own. And this is really mm-hmm. cool and unique. And like, even as that adapted, obviously down the road, cause like, you know, I, I, when I first moved to LA, I wasn't in the best situation. I mean, while I was going to school, I didn't have my own room for the first three years that I lived in LA. Yeah. Oh, I wow. Lived, You're sharing a room with someone? Yeah. I was all, I was sharing a room while I went to school. And then, cause obviously like, dude, LA is expensive. Oh yeah. School's I mean, expensive. You like, still have, yeah. You have to have yeah, a roommate and, or you're done. <laughs> yeah. And then I ended up, so, I mean, after that, like I said, my parents were like, yo, you're on your own. And I was like, okay. So then the year after school, I mean, I, the year and a half after school, I was living in a two bedroom apartment with five people, oh. like on a ramen noodle diet. Like, <laughs> sure. Oh, dude, broke as fuck, literally hustling, like trying. I was working a dead end, like gym, like front desk of a gym job and fucking just hustling my ass off, whatever. Like, I remember I would literally tuck my computer in next to, cause like it's a fucking studio. Like, I'm just like a fucking producer nerd. And I would tuck my computer into the pillow next to me and be like, all right, good night. (laughs) I'd wake up, up, open my computer and just start making music. And like, wow, because I was surrounded, like, even at the time it was at that time, it was more like beats and EDM stuff. But Mm -hmm. the the other producers that I was surrounded by were exponentially better than I was, or at least had been working and producing for longer. So my, in my brain, I'm like, I got to catch up to you guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm using every moment of my time to work and to get better at my craft. And this is before Mike's dead. This is before I was really, even really releasing a lot of music or anything like that. And there was a, a, I would say like a, two to three year period of me not really releasing things and more so crafting and getting better, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't have the patience for that because I know after I moved from that situation, I was living in a living room for like six months. And then I moved into another living room for six months. Like I was still in the broke as fuck mentality, broke as fuck mindset of being mm-hmm. like, I just got to hustle. And eventually things started to, you know, obviously change and like got better job, like got a better job. And, I kind of, you know, stacked a bunch of music that I was like, yo, this is kind of what I think I want to put out. And then obviously Mike's dead moved very quickly. I mean, the project itself has only been around for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
things are good. <laughs> yeah, you're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, like people say. forget. Like that's, that's the thing is people see like numbers or they'll see stats, especially nowadays. Everyone goes on fucking Instagram. Of course. And, like they're like, wow, this dude's successful. You're you're killing it. And I'm like, dude, you don't you didn't see the years where I was poor as fuck, grinding my ass off, like spending four, 12 to 14 hour days just producing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Just right. because like I had to get better. I had to learn more. I had to improve my production game or, and then also, you know, improve my vocal game, improve like, cause I'm not, dude, I remember when I first started singing, I was dog shit. I literally was like, this is really, really, really bad. <laughs> started going to vocal lessons, started, you know, doing practice and warm ups and all the other shit. And like, I, I just learned how to scream in COVID. You know what I mean? Wow. And yeah. That people are like, bro, your screams sound fucking awesome. It's like, well, yeah, practice and learn and shit. I don't know. The people don't see the, they see the, I forget there's some cliche thing. I don't know the the term, but like they didn't, they don't see the practice. They see the product or something. Right. No, totally. It's like people think that, Oh, like, Oh, how do you have that many followers? Like you, what did you do? Like, like you had some overnight success, but in reality, it's like, you're grinding your ass off for yeah, been years upon it. years. Right. Exactly. It's like, dude, I've been doing not Mike Zed has only been around for three years, but it's like, but I've made music, you know, to hopefully have it be a career since I was 18. Right. You know, yeah. even like, three years. I mean, prior to that, you were, like you said, you're DJing, you were just doing everything you could to, to keep going in this industry. And obviously it paid off for you at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Things are cool now. <laughs> when did Mike Stead start? Like, when did you have the courage to like put something out with um, your name on it? It was June. That's why I know it's three years. June of would have been three years ago, 2018. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Um, I put out my first song it was called Rotten. It was like more of a boom bap rap kind of track, a little bit of singing on the chorus and stuff like that. And then put out a follow-up single that did well as well. And then a third still all rap more like mm -hmm. originally like everything started more as rap um and i like that obviously mm -hmm. but i was like yo it's kind of limiting if you can only rap and then so obviously like while i was do working on a lot of the rap stuff i was more like i said doing a lot of the vocal work learning more of like dude i mean even my biggest like my quote-unquote biggest song right now like uh it's called we've lost touch like that came out in the fall of 2018 or no. Yeah. In the fall of 2018, I, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, am I an idiot? Might be fall of 2019. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it came out in the fall. Yeah. It came out in the fall. <laughs> it was like, I put out an EP of like three singing songs basically. And like, bro, I didn't even know where my fucking range was. And like that okay. song specifically, I think is like up in like G sharp or something like that. My range is down in C and D. Okay. C to like E. Like so I can't like, I mean, I remember when I went on tour in 2019, I never played that song because it really, yeah, I never played it on any of the stops because it was literally out of my range. Like it was more so like I'd be pushing my voice way too hard because like I was so inexperienced with understanding where my voice sits and where I'm going to be, you know, comfortable. Uh -huh. um, just that kind of goes to show like I really was like trying to move into the singing stuff and then like I honestly didn't really know what I was doing, but <laughs> now it's more so of kind of understanding of the, a good mix of both. Cause I obviously like doing the rap stuff and fans really like the rap stuff. I feel like mm -hmm. fans tend to like the rap stuff more. And then I have other fans that like singing stuff more. It's just, 
It just really depends. Um, well, you blend it. I mean, perfectly, especially in like the new song, like Nightmares, for example. You you yeah. do both pieces. Nightmares was that was the one that I wanted to on that on the EP is is mainly like the it's pretty much the only song where I'm singing. I mean, there's oh, is that I, right? have, I might have pre's and like choruses and stuff like that where it's singing, but it's not like Nightmares is full singing. Right. And I wanted to do something like that 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 kind of hit more on the emotional kind of side of things mm-hmm. because I'm used to making just heavy music, which obviously lacks an emotional touch. <laughs> it's just angry sure. <laughs> it's just, you know I mean? so obviously like this ep is kind of serving as like a uh a connect the dot type thing mm-hmm. towards the heavier kind of stuff so mm-hmm. this kind of allowed me to experiment more with the industrial kind of vibes i've had those for a while but really hone in on them yeah and i love that too because i don't think a lot of people are like you're like you know paying homage to some of those earlier right yeah Everyone's you're trying to do pop punk right now i want to make industrial metal yeah <laughs> i don't want to make funny ass music i want to make whatever sounds cool to me sure um and obviously i've been making this kind of stuff for a minute like you can go back and listen to like songs like fool me or energy and those came out in 2019 mm-hmm. and those are both like industrial rap um heavy bass kind of stuff and so i think you'll really like the next single that comes out in nine days on the 25th Okay. Uh, it's called dead. And that's that also it's like heavy, it's heavy industrial, but like rap on the verses open, pre, you know, open chorus kind of anthem kind of style. Cool. Um, where it kind of encompasses a bunch of stuff, just like another, just like kind of the rest of the EP is very similar to that. The, everything that isn't out, I think there's six tracks on the EP and there's two out mm-hmm. sick is more of like the metal one. Yeah. That one's heavy. like, yeah, six more of the medley one, and everything else is just industrial. Like oh, it's cool. very intense industrial rap, singing kind of shit in your face kind of stuff. Um, and I've been sitting on this for a while. It's just been I've been in like more of a background situation of trying to get. I've been self managed and self produced for you know the entirety of my project. That's incredible. So, yeah, I do all the work. I'm a psychopath. Um, but it's, I mean, to have the success that you have without having like a team of people like. You know, I live you like, out there and even just now, even like a few months ago, I first you know, hired a publicist. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is interesting. Like, I honestly have had no team other than like I had like my fucking lawyer, which is normal, but that's not right. like anything other than contracts. And, like, <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, it, it's been a lot of stress mm. and it's very, very strenuous on me because obviously like, dude, I do everything down to I've even designed half like the merch. Like oh, hands really? on, like hand wow. handmade, like stuff like that, where it's like, dude, I just end up doing a lot, which is great because now I'm at the point where the teams, management teams that I'm speaking with are big teams because it's yeah. like, oh, you have leverage now. You have right. leverage. You did this by yourself. Imagine if you did it with us and everyone's like, oh, okay. Right. I mean, at that point, it's like you, you could even I mean, I'm sure you can pick and choose because it's like I built this. Look at my numbers. Look at my, yeah. you know. Yeah. social media numbers it's very impressive <laughs> yeah it's great i mean I, i'm not at like full liberty to disclose like the call i had yesterday but i had a a big one <laughs> like the biggest call of my career yesterday probably <laughs> and i can't i can't say what why when or how right but uh yeah no like it's things are things are gonna hopefully you know obviously fingers crossed but like things are gonna start getting spooky i love that i love that i can't wait um i have a real quick question on we've lost touch you said that i mean that's obviously your largest streaming numbers um was that song as big as it was before you did the tour 
Yeah. It, oh, I mean, okay. That song, that song took off from when it came out. And how and do I you remember know how that? I was like, this one's going to go. And it did. But yeah, I mean, that, that the tour really didn't impact much because it was like my first headlining situation. And mm-hmm. it was a co-headlining tour with my buddy Ryan, who makes like, uh, like pop punk rap kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we, the tour did great. It was just more so to get out on the road and like meet fans for me. Yeah. Like I did like normally it was very, I don't know what the word is. Like it was with an independent agent. It wasn't with an agency. It was very like no guarantees, just all door tickets. And like, DIY how we, we, did, we did well. I mean, like we yeah. sold out Pittsburgh. We nearly sold out uh, New York city and like Damn. a lot of good things to it but like i did free meet and greets every night like i like i it wasn't like because it was the first time i'm really like headlining shit i mean i had yeah. done other stuff but it was like my first time really having this experience and for me i was like fuck it let's do free meet and greets the next thing you know my meet and greet lines are 150 people deep and i'm like wow. oh i have to meet people all night and i'm <laughs> so exhausted and so sure. and kind of drunk <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, kinda, I'm like yeah there's a lot going into this right now and yeah it was it was definitely like strenuous for sure but but I'm yeah, sure no, people love that. I mean, people love that. They get to meet yeah. you. Oh, I mean, 100%. that's so um, cool. People will see me, especially like I'm covered in tattoos. I'm like, <laughs> head to t- I'm a very large human. And I also like, if you see my personality online, they're like, yo, this kid will eat me. Like I, I have right. a very, very dark aesthetic. You do. And, and then when you came on to talk to me now, I was like, bro, oh, he's- same. it's the same thing. Every time. <laughs> Everyone's like, yo, this kid's a teddy bear. I mean, I'm terrifying for sure, but also like I'm nice as fuck. You're like the sweetest dude ever. (laughs) I just like, that's just how I was raised. And like, it happens happens at parties. It happens at like, it it could be like fucking like a photo shoot. I might get booked for a shoot with like a photographer or something like that. I show up and I'm super like, hey, what's up, bro? How's your day going? They're like, what the fuck? Like, Um, I just try to be personable with people because like, I'd want the same for them. You know what I mean? I'd want them to do the same thing. But yeah, that's how I am with fans. And they're always like, yo, this kid is like just a big teddy bear. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was a great experience. But yeah, We've Lost Touch did well right out of the, right out of the jump. Um, and I like it, obviously. Like, I, it's, it's a good, the, I, I like more so the production of it, to be honest, the production mm-hmm. that went into it. Um, and I have a ton of songs that are actually similar to that, that I just, I will never come out there unreleased. Um, because that was more of the, where I was taking the project was more of this, dark pop kind of lane where it was like still rap but still um a lot of singing and emotional bass but still blown out 808s and heavy distorted stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then i remember as i was rolling that out i brought on after that tour i had a different agent because that tour at least got some numbers enough to get like an actual agent sure and i put out an ep of like mainly singing stuff and he was like yo i hate to be this conversation but like what is that? <laughs> I was like, huh? Like, I'm thinking like, it's like a release day. I'm stoked. And he's like, yeah, dude, like you're a rapper. Like that's what your fans know you as. Like, that's what the industry knows you as. Why are you putting out sad songs? And I was like, you're right. Hold on. I didn't even think about that. Cause okay. I'm one of those people that like, didn't have trouble noticing like my success. Like, yeah, I, I don't deem numbers as successful. I guess more like going on tour and meeting a bunch of fans, like hundreds of people is like, that's, success for me you know mm-hmm. i in pittsburgh i could barely hear myself sing i couldn't barely hear myself over the pas because Whoa. everyone was so fucking loud and knew all the words that's crazy like, that must have been a- that's that to me that registers as serotonin in my brain like sure that, that's crazy 
but not social media numbers. So I guess like I didn't really recognize where I was in my career. So I was still in the idea of like, oh, I can put out whatever I want. Uh-huh. Like I can, I can, doesn't matter. I can put out, you know, this song could be sad as fuck. And the next song could be like punch your mom in the face angry. <laughs> like, and so I wasn't really controlling it as much as I wanted to or regulating it. And I think that's when I started to lean more back into the rap stuff because I had plenty of that stuff unreleased. Um, and then so on and so forth. Sure. Had you ever like, I mean, I must, that must have been a, a pretty wild experience. Like, had you ever pl- been to Pittsburgh? Or, I mean, as far as, no, like, I mean, I've, I've been to Pittsburgh before, um, not to but, play shows. That was, well, yeah, time. like not to play shows. I mean, you show no. up there and like, now oh, there's no, a sold the out crowd. I mean, that's like, crazy. Yeah. The Pittsburgh line was like around the fucking block and it was super fun. And it was surprising because obviously you'd expect like more so, like almost selling out. We played Mercury Lounge in New York City and like we almost mm-hmm. sold, we're like 10 off from selling that out. That's and huge. that makes more sense to me because I'm like, New York's a big place. Right. Pittsburgh, that, 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 like, that was the only but, sold out show on the tour. And I was like very surprised because I'm like, this is a smaller market. Uh-huh. And they really showed out. And I like remember like being on stage, being like, I'm coming back to Pittsburgh every fucking time I do it. <laughs> the energy was great. Like the fans, like everyone there was awesome. Like it was a, it was a fun experience. And I think that's where I see more of the impact that I'm making because it's hard to see it through like the lens of your phone. Right. Or the lens of the computer. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. I obviously love like tracking my analytics, whether it be from streaming or from, you know, socials and stuff like that. But it just doesn't compute to actual yeah. like that inner feeling of success, at least to me. Some people, I don't know, I find it very vain and shallow to be like, well, I have X amount of followers on Instagram, so I'm successful. It's like, no, dude. I don't know. I'm, I'm an impact based person. So if I'm seeing impact that I've made, then I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is what I was trying to do. Yeah. But I mean, it, it must be, is it hard to kind of fathom that? Like, I mean, just looking at your Instagram right now, I mean, you have like 209,000 followers. Like that's, if you think about that, that'd be, that's a big number of people. Yeah. But also like the way that at, at a certain point, yes, a hundred percent, but like uh-huh. it is a lot of people, but at a certain point you have to, it, it's hard nowadays because like, the the apps like all of those social media apps kind of cut your engagement down to like what five percent of your following only sees your shit yeah it's tough because it's like dude there's let's say hundreds of thousands of fans that don't know that i have new songs out or don't know there's new merch out so it really it it creates a situation where you want to be stoked for it because it's like dude imagine if two hundred and nine thousand people were seeing everything you posted right then you'd, your streaming numbers would be out of control. You know, your merch sales would be out of fucking just insane. Right. But that's not how it is. You yeah, know? that it's is interesting that you only really get a very, very small percentage. Very, very small. Of- and it's, it's a, you know, it's a big reason why a lot of people are moving to TikTok and, and so on and so forth. And because there's just more people to engage with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just depends. I mean, obviously, yeah, 200,000 people is a lot of people. But I compare <laughs> myself to... I compare myself to, I don't like hold myself to a, Oh, well, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. But you know, Ghostman has fucking what? 3 million followers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Number one has like 5 million MGK is at what? Fucking 30 or some shit. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, I gotta, I hold myself to those standards because that's the people that I want to be like connected around. So I don't, I'll take the small win and be like, okay, this is cool. But also like, 
You want to keep getting bigger. It's not like I'm at 200,000. I'm going to throw the cleats in. You know what I mean? (laughs) My bar is set kind of obnoxiously high, but it's good. Well, that's that's good. That's good. Um, Well, where were you when at least you had a chance to do a tour? I mean, I did see. Is that the tour? Like you you had a picture with you and a girl on your Instagram and you had that was. Yeah, yeah. That was fucking awesome. That that uh, that was in Boston. And my predominant demographic is like 18 to 24 like kind of college, post-college or post-high school, like, you know, stuff like that. And there was this one girl, I remember I was in the green room and this huge security guard, I forget his name, was like, yo, there's like a young girl out here. And I feel like she really wants to meet you because like, she's like really young. And I can tell like, she's like super skittish and like in a concert environment, which is more hectic and with her mom. And do you care? Like, I'm going to go talk to the mom because he was talking about his daughter and he was like, He's like, I know, like, if it was my daughter, I'd want them to meet the, the musician. Yeah. Like, you care if I go talk to mom? I was like, dude, go for it. And he talks to me. He's like, yeah, it's actually her birthday. She's turning 11. Wow. And I was like, bro, wait, hold on. So this, like, he, like, lets her into the green room. She, like, sprints full speed at me. And I, like, just jumps, like, gives me a big-ass hug. And this girl's tiny. She's, like, 11. Yeah. And she's super excited. She's, like, freaking the fuck out. And then I remember her mom told me, she's like, yeah, it's her birthday. So then, like, halfway through my set, I literally told the security guard, I was like, direct, go grab her halfway through my set. And I picked her up, put her on my shoulder and literally had the crowd sing happy birthday to her. That's so cool. And that I was made like, her yeah, life. Like, dude, that she, never, oh yeah, like, you're going to remember that the rest of your life. She will never that forget young. that. Oh uh, my God. That young, you're going to, and she was freaking the fuck out. And like, even to that day, that picture, I was like, dude, that was such a fun experience. That's um, so cool. Yeah, that was, that was that tour. It was December of 2019. And then so, I came right. back started prepping stuff you know i got involved with a different agent okay and then we were supposed to do a west coast tour because that was all east coast we were supposed to do starting up in vancouver go down the coast and then end up doing like make a stop in uh scottsdale or phoenix and then a stop in uh, albuquerque and then do four shows in texas like hitting all the major markets mm-hmm. and those were all a lot of those markets were untouched like i hadn't done them i, I played like seattle i played la but you know not portland not Phoenix, not mm-hmm. any shows in Texas. So that ended up that was scheduled for May. And as you know, March is when shit hit. Shit. Japan. Yeah. It's so, so you so that was I was gonna ask you where you were when this whole pandemic yeah. struck. And obviously that, you were planning for a tour. Yeah, we had a 10 stop ready. We had support. We had everything ready to go. We just had to announce it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were getting like everything just finalized, basically. And boom COVID. oh my so gosh it is what it is it doesn't matter because i didn't announce it so it wasn't like i didn't have to deal with the whole refund like yeah sorry you know five. yeah and oh my god i was like fuck it this sucks whatever you know right. it gave me more time to sit here and make more music um, Learn guitar because that was around the time i was having that conversation with my agent where he was like dude like you need to put out more heavier rap shit like i know that you like to make like the more emotional side of stuff when it, especially depending on my headspace, I'm not mm-hmm. going to force, if I'm going through a rut for six months and dealing with like shitty mental health, I'm not going to force heavy rap. I'm just right. going to kind of go with where my music goes. So that's more so when I started focusing in more on the heavier kind of stuff. And then I remember at the time, I can't remember, I might've been that fall or right around that time pre-covid is when i started working on this ep this is an old ep oh, okay that was my question i, I was gonna I see this, if you worked on this, this record over that year oh no i've had this done for a hot minute um and i just knew that it was a little bit <clears throat> higher level of production higher level of 
lyricism, geez, I can't talk lyricism, stuff like that. And I just knew it was a little bit more. So kind of structured things to hold off until we could really release it with the proper run. Mm -hmm. Um, it's co-produced by myself and my buddy Taylor, who is also a phenomenal producer. And then during that time, this is when I started experimenting with guitars. Cause I remember my guitarist, Luca did the guitar for sick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, this is cool. I really like making this heavier music. And this is before I could play anything decent. And <laughs> I remember then I started kind of experimenting with guitar, like on my own before learning a bunch of stuff from my guitarist. And I was like, dude, this is really the shit that I've been wanting to make. I've just been musically yeah, you know, limited. Been, almost. Yeah. Limited. Yeah. And here we go. And so then COVID, I just became a fucking guitar nerd and a production nerd. <laughs> literally just started mixing all the shit that I've already been kind of making as far as like the industrial side of stuff with more of the guitar sides of things. And this is all music. Obviously you guys will see more into the fall. I would imagine okay. because you know, the way things are looking right now, we've got dead slotted for next Friday. <clears throat> uh-huh. And then I think I'm going to do another single just because it, it got spread out. It, it this, there was a bunch of background stuff that was going on. Sure. Um, I think I'm doing another single at the end of July. That would be the last like main single from the EP that has a big feature on it. And oh, then, cool. Um, that's super industrial as well. And then I also have a track coming out. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. You're second allowed week, to. Second week, second week of July, well, it's a collab and it's on someone else's album. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, there's two like, good size collabs in july and then i'm aiming for the ep in august rad i can't wait thing and then yeah the second the ep is out i might take like a little two or three week breather but then i'm hitting consistent oh i love to have music coming out consistently Uh and just kind of foaming at the mouth with music because i have so much of it Uh so i'd rather do that so there's a lot of stuff coming do you have videos for, I mean, I love your music videos. I did also oh. read that you've like pretty much sell, you direct a lot of them too, right? I co- Yeah, I pretty much co-direct at least almost every single one of them. Wow. I think I didn't, I didn't co-direct uh, like a collab one that I did because that's just different. But uh-huh. if it's my own video, I have my buddy, Greg, who's pretty much like my go-to. Uh-huh. Um, he, shoot, he shoots the majority of my videos. Like, dude, sometimes we just bullshit. Like there's times where we're like, Sometimes we'll do like a full treatment. Sometimes we'll just be like, yo, you want to just go out in the desert and shoot a music video kind of thing. <laughs> and we kind of come up with like ideas on the fly. Cause we're just kind of both co-directing and being like, this could be cool. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. These shots here would look sick, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, the music videos are fun. It's just, they, they're just, they're costly. Oh, I can you, imagine. As you yeah. can imagine. It's just yeah. like, and not even like even going into the production of it, as far as like, you know, getting, having a space, having a team, having, everything else to it from wardrobe to accessories to so on and so forth. And then adding in like, you know, do, you know, if you want to do ads, if you really want to run this to get exposure, then that's a whole other fucking beast. And then it's like, <laughs> next thing you know, you're a few K in the hole and you're like, right. Oh, not really worth it. <laughs> so dad doesn't have a music video just cause I didn't like, there was a, like I said, there was a bunch of dead was supposed to come out like two weeks after sit or uh, nightmares. Okay. Back in March, a bunch uh-huh. of, weird business stuff happened. So it was like, Hey, like this has just been prolonged. Mm-hmm. So I didn't shoot a music video for this one. I, I kind of want to, but I feel like it's obviously a little too late. Um, there will be, I would say two more music videos for at least for the EP. Rad. I 
So yeah, there's definitely going to be one for the title track and then another one for a potential other song that will probably both come out at the same time. Very cool. What about like live shows? I mean, obviously it's been (laughs) a year and a half without. (laughs) That's a different beast. Like that's, that's just a nightmare. Obviously right now, as you can imagine, you've seen everything getting announced. Yeah. Basically. I mean, everything's just booked up. And I was going to say, because everyone's been sitting on those dates, I'm sure, for oh, yeah. a year and there's a half. Like, <laughs> there's like 20 artists holds per date. That's crazy. Like it's, it's disgusting where literally the venue is just going to take the most money option and be like, you win. And right. I can't like, as like a middle tier, like up and coming artist, you can't compete with, you know, massive a-list artists that are right right of course you know that are going to want the the venue that you're playing because that's i'm I'm past the point of playing playing dive bars (laughs) like i am yeah yeah yeah. you can't show up to like a yeah Yeah. 200 head venue anymore exactly and and it's like at that point dude you're competing with a lot of people and so Mm -hmm. people have had holds on these dates for forever so you know if, if i was to book like a headlining thing now i'd be looking for like maybe late winter early oh, wow. spring of 2022 oh and my so gosh i'm not worrying about it i'm doing <laughs> yeah. it. i'm doing the opposite because i know a lot of people are stressing it and uh-huh. luckily for me i don't rely on touring income to keep my business alive so yeah. i'm kind of chilling that's nice point, i'm more so going to focus on pumping out a ton of content pumping out a ton of music you know exploring new fans and stuff like that really trying to you know bring more of this rock scene in mm-hmm. um really embracing that a little bit more and kind of going down those lanes. And at the same time, I know like with the rock scene, obviously it's run by shows a lot, but at the same time, it's like, I'd rather build out the brand, really build out the music and build, expand the fan base so that when I do play shows, they're, they're crushing, they're sure. crushing the whole live production setup, everything's like that. Um, or especially like, you know, with the festival circuit, obviously those have been well announced because we're about to be in it right now. But, you know, for 2022, playing into that, if that makes sense, before yeah. like rushing, you know, maybe a one-off here and there, but like uh-huh. nothing, no like actual big tours or something like that. Okay, right on. I'd rather Dude. hold out and make people wait. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, Mike, thank you so much, man, for, for talking with me this morning. I really Dude, appreciate it. Of course. Is there, if you have any more questions, I'm happy to answer anything. Oh, I do have one more actually for you. Um, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists work until your eyes bleed. (laughs) I I don't know really more what to say to that. My biggest thing is like persistence. And I've kind of explained at least, especially like my up and coming quite quote unquote story here. And I think that the reason I'm at my level at at this point is because I put in the amount of time. And if you continuously learn and adapt and push yourself more, push yourself outside of your creative boundaries is where I I think you start to see the results that you want to see. And that just comes down to work ethic and consistency, I guess. So yeah, just work until your fucking eyes bleed. <laughs> that's what I did. And I don't know, I don't realize that's all.